Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Ken's Five, the official station of the Spurs, and where you watched last night's victory over the Warriors. I'm Jackson Floyd, and here to break down all the action from last night and to look ahead with me as always, Evan Klosky from Ken's Five TV. What up? And we've got Ken's Five digital producer, Tom Petrini. What to do, baby? Guys, with last night's win over the Warriors, the Spurs have improved to 14-10 and 10 on the season. Uh, that puts them half a game out of the fourth seed in the Western Conference with a chance tonight to move into that top four spot uh, just, uh, just ahead of the Suns who are playing the Bucks tonight. Uh, how, how do you guys feel about their playoff chances and where they stand right now? I mean, they're, they're playing their best basketball that we have seen in the post-Kawhi era. I don't think that's an understatement. I don't think that's underselling it at all. I don't think that's overselling it all. Uh, I think they're really locking in and everybody is further along in their development this year. Um, you know, from DeRozan all the way down to Shamanich. Uh, But on the court for these Spurs, we're seeing DeJounte Murray step up huge. I mean, he was probably had the best game of his career last night, 27 points, 10 rebounds, Career high, season high in the NBA, eight steals in the game. Uh, he is, uh, I believe, third in the league right now in total steals. Um, and, you know, the the big knock on him coming into – one of the big knocks on him coming into the year was playmaking. He's shown he can do that. He can create his own shot. He can create for teammates. He can take care of the ball. Um, the thing that still needs work is his three-point shot. And with the Spurs up one on a broken possession, busted, nothing happening. He creates an inch of space, crosses over twice on Andrew Wiggins with two seconds left on the shot clock, pulls up for a corner three and drills it. Uh, And he said after the game, like, you know, people might say it's lucky, whatever. I work on that with Chip England. You know, that's part of all of our vitamins is working on game winners, just getting to a spot buzzer beater. Um, And... It was it was awesome, awesome game from him, awesome game from Demar, and uh, we're we're seeing the Spurs clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, and you know you bring up Dejounte Murray, and actually on those corner threes this year he's eight of fifteen, fifty three percent from corner threes. It's just the non corner threes that have been the problem. He's eighteen of of sixty three on non corner threes. That equals out to thirty three percent. Last year he was thirty eight percent from three something I said on Twitter, and I, I still firmly believe um, we should see DeJounte's three-point percentage at least get to 35%. Um, I, I, I do believe that. So no matter what, there's going to be a progression coming. How much of a progression? I don't know. But I think 33% is a bit low for him. Um, I think more recently he hasn't quite uh, been delivering as he had been earlier in the season. Uh, certainly something to watch out for, but nonetheless, um, I'll say it once and I'll say it many more times after this. Again, it's a bad year for the DeJounte Murray haters. It's just not a good year for you. It's not a good look. Not they've a gone, good look. They've gone you know, you can get He's going to have a bad game here or there. I'm not saying he's going to go 72 strong, but it's not a good look. 
I mean, you, uh, you, you saw the shots up. he missed yesterday, right? We can talk about those a little bit if you'd like. Uh, but no, a career night for him last night. Uh, we just talk about the box score. There's stats he put up there. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 8 steals. 8 steals. That's a career high for him. Uh, a lot of stats coming out of the Spurs PR office on that last night. 8 steals is the most by any NBA player this season. DeJounte Murray was the first player in the NBA with 20 plus points, 10 plus rebounds, and 8 steals since Jason Richardson in 2008. Uh, just uh, you, you love to see it. Um, but yeah, um, this team seems to be riding and dying on his and, DeJean, and uh, DeMar DeRozan's performance. Um, and, and part of that is because they're, they're still trying to work Derek White back into the, the rotation, uh, coming back off an injury. We've seen a handful of games from him. Uh, his shot's still not there. He uh, was one for eight last night, I believe. Uh, not one enough. for 11. One for 11. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. not, not a good night shooting for him. He still provides so much on the defense. Uh, Evan, I mean, his defense last night, especially if you, if you want to jump ahead to the last play of the game, uh, was was a key indicator into why the Spurs won uh, against the Warriors. So, yeah, I mean, after the first couple of Memphis games, you know, and everyone kind of saying, wow, is Derek White hurting the team? Is, is that why they're, they're looking poorly? And then kind of really honing in on what Derek White was doing and, and watching his minutes, especially the Houston game. Uh, if you look at that game and you just follow Derek White, his defense is phenomenal I mean he is all over the place he is right back to where he is was supposed to be I mean it it honestly has taken him very little time to no time to get back to elite defense and again he is and I think something that Tom said on earlier big fun pot he's one of the team's best on-ball defenders he's tremendous in help he is certainly I think their best all-around defender and he's showing it eventually his shot's going to come I mean, he's 82.6 points per shot attempt right now. That's like one of the worst at his position, maybe the worst at his position. I promise you it is going to get better. And once the shot comes, you're going to see an elite player out there once again. We already have an elite defender. We just, you know, need him to to make some shots. It's, It's been a rough go. And, like, you know, if you're looking to buy Derek White's stock, uh, you know, now is probably the time because I don't think it'll get much lower than right now because, as you said, you're always going to get the defense from him. You know, he's a rock-solid defender night in and night out if he's healthy, um, and, and that's not going to change. Uh, if, if there's a night where Derek White gets torched, I'm going to take my hat off and watch that highlight 100 times because I'm sure the other guy did fantastic. Um, and, you know, last year in the bubble, he was hitting almost 39% of threes on like eight attempts per game-ish. So uh, he's, he's going to bring a shooting punch to that starting lineup. Um, and, and Tom, Tom, I just want to add some numbers very quickly to, 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 what, you're saying, to what you're saying, because it's building on to buying the stock, right? Effective field goal percentage. Career, uh, last couple of years, been around 52, 53%. He's at 40% right now. Finishing around the rim the last couple of years, average 59%. He's at 50% right now. Uh, on mid-range jumpers, he's at 46, 47% the last couple of years, at 32% right now. And then on three-pointers, as you mentioned, he had 205 three-pointers last year at 38% clip. The year prior, he was 35%. This year, he's at 27 Those numbers are going to go up, and he's going to have a night where he hits six or seven three-pointers and just blows it all up like he's going to. Yeah, like the, the people that are shorting – Derek White right now like oh he doesn't look great like how long do you think that 
is going to last realistically. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't see it. And, you know, adding him back into this team, we, we kind of touched on the, on the big picture a little bit before uh, four games over five, over 500. That never happened last year. Uh, they've won three games in a row, three times this year, I believe. And that never happened last year. Is that right? Yeah. Never happened. So, I mean, we can already see that this team is playing at a much higher level than they did last year, and it's, it's banking on internal growth. Um, so, you know, on, on that last play uh, with, with Draymond, right, we, this, this was memed into oblivion, right? Like, you might have seen DeJounte Murray's incredible step-back game icing three, but you definitely saw Draymond Green miss one from like almost half court with like 10 oh. seconds left on the clock. So he's getting dinner at the Southerly with where he took that one. <laughs> and but, I, but you what the broadcast on Ken's five, but it's definitely worth going and finding the visiting broadcast, the Spurs, uh, the Warriors broadcast and listen to their just oh, the shot. They, uh, they are distraught and completely yeah. confused. They're like, what is he doing? Here's what he was what, doing. Why? He, why? The, the Spurs did a good job denying the ball to Curry on the inbound. You don't want to let Steph Curry get, a, get the ball down three, right? Just not something you can afford to do. So it goes to Draymond Green, who's not a great three-point shooter, not a great free-throw shooter. Uh, it would make sense for the Spurs to go and foul Draymond Green, send him to the line, instead of giving Steph any opportunity to tie the game with a three-point shot, right? So... Spurs know that he knows that and he sees Derek white coming to close out on him like this, like I'm going to foul you. And so he's like, okay, three free throws. I'm just going to go get it. And, and so he chucks up a crazy shot and, and Derek pulls back like this. Okay, go, go ahead. Shoot that. You have fun. And, and it just, you know, thunks off the, off the glass and everyone's like, what was that? It was awesome. Mind game defense from one defensive master to another. Uh, and Derek just got him. He, he like, he pump faked him on defense. You, you very rarely see that. Uh, but like, you know, we, we talk about the cult of verticality, right. With Derek white, uh, he was perfectly vertical. And, uh, when a mirror speaks, the reflection lies, he lied to Draymond green there. Absolutely lied to him. And Draymond bought it hook, line and sinker, um, and wound up looking like an idiot. And I think after the game, he said, that was one of the smartest dumb plays you'll ever see. Like, you know, the reason I did it was smart, but it wound up being really dumb. <laughs> and and, that, and that's, that's, I mean, I'm just going to use, that's going to be a, a new go-to excuse slash explanation for me. I'm not a big excuse guy, but I mean, yeah. sometimes you need one, you know, sometimes yeah. the circumstances are just out of your control. You need a good excuse. Sorry. Yeah. It was smart at the time, but then uh, it wound up being dumb. Yeah. My resume is built on really dumb <laughs> Look, I, in a bubble, that may be true, but when you've got Steph Curry on your team, I, I, I'm not taking any last-second shot. You know, I'm, I'm giving it to him. He is still so special. You know, I think it gets lost in the minutiae, and he's, he's kind of brought it back over the last few weeks, you know, the conversations. He, he's reminding people that he's still an all-time great. He uh, put up 60-plus points in the game already once this season. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, it hits that, that deep buzzer beater three uh, just out of nowhere. It's something he, he does on a nightly, on you know, a weekly basis, it mm -hmm. seems like. Um, 
Uh, but the Spurs, I thought, did a pretty good job keeping him, you know, he, he's going to get his shots. He still shot over 50% from three, um, but he didn't explode, you know, and, and that was good. Yeah. Yeah. He's, but, he's still and, one of the most, like, sadistic scorers I've ever seen. Like, that three you're talking about at the end there, he got the switch on Rudy Gay and said, oh, all right, bet. And he didn't even really try to make that much space. Like, he was just dribbling for fun for a good <laughs> six seconds, and then he was like, <laughs> got it. And, and there's nothing you can do. Uh, but the, the Spurs did a pretty good job of limiting him. Kelly Oubre, once again, as always, too hot. Uh, but you know, that, that's going to happen sometimes. Um, and they did a good job of limiting everybody else. And like you said, Jackson, just keeping Steph Curry in check. Um, I think one of the big differences in this game, uh, as opposed to the one where he torched them was, uh, he didn't have James Wiseman and, you know, Wiseman's incredible gravity in the, other end of the court that gets you a lot of efficient points. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Steph's three-point gravity, and then you've got Wiseman screening and rolling to the basket. And, uh, you know, Juan Toscano-Anderson, not <laughs> quite James Wiseman in that regard. Yeah. Sorry, all due respect to Juan Toscano-Anderson. Um, so when – and then you also had Steph attacking not – LaMarcus Aldridge in pick and roll, but Jakob Pertl, who's much more adept and, you know, can almost kind of survive on some of those switches on the perimeter and like hedge and recover and is awesome at the rim. Um, he's been averaging like over two blocks a game since the first 10 when he really wasn't looking like himself. Yeah, Evan, yeah, elaborate and, on that. Yeah, because I mean, I know that you're someone who really pays attention to the lineup stats and the defensive stats mm-hmm. when Jakob's out there. Uh, the, the total difference maker, as Tom was saying, right? Oh, yeah. And, and I just do want to mention the Spurs did come out with their injury report. Lonnie Walker is back tonight. Uh, Derek White is out along with LaMarcus Aldridge. So everything as expected um, entering tonight's repeat matchup with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, when, when it comes to Jakob Pertl, this, this dude is unbelievable. Um, obviously, the, the majority of his lineups are a net positive. That starting lineup with uh, Murray, Walker, Johnson, DeRozan, Pertl, um, that was seen more at the beginning of the year when LaMarcus was injured. Um, that's probably his, his worst lineup, um, at least certainly in sample size. But um, just, just looking at all of his numbers, I mean, when he is on the court, the Spurs are very rarely giving up more than 100 points per 100 possessions. And um, he is a phenomenal anchor for this team. It's no coincidence that the backup units have not been crushing other backup units because Jakob Pertl hasn't been playing those minutes. Okay? It's no surprise that Jakob Pertl in the starting lineup has created a more defensive-minded team, even though the Warriors dropped 36 last night in the first quarter, that had more to do with the Warriors getting hot with their shots and and the Spurs giving them the shots that that they want and them hitting it versus something ridiculously wrong with the Spurs. I think, you know, even if you go into the third quarter when the Warriors are getting layup after layup after layup, that was a good adjustment by Golden State because the Spurs kept sending two people at Steph. And if you're going to send an extra person at Steph, 
that's going to allow a slip and an easy bucket. So obviously those are just part of the seesaw battles with coaching that you're going to have to deal with and adjustments. But Jakob Pertl is phenomenal. Um, one of the most impactful players in the league, to be quite honest. Um, certainly doesn't provide much of an offensive threat, even though he's been better. Uh, last night he was seven of nine and getting his, I think that, that starting unit, especially with Derek White, Derek White knows how to find Yak on those on those roles um, and does so um, with with phenomenal ease, to be honest. Um, so so Yak's getting a little bit more involved with that starting unit, but I think every fan out there sees his importance. He's not a superstar. Um, he, he might not get the respect that he deserves nationally um, in terms of maybe a all defensive team, but man, I don't know where this team would be without Jakob Pertl. And the fact that they got him signed for what they signed with was a phenomenal deal in the off season. And it was a deal that, you know, everybody was on board with and, and just proving that it was the right move to, to bring this guy back and was a sneaky, a sneaky good pickup in the DeMar, DeMar DeRozan, Kawhi Leonard trade. Yeah. And I, I think early in the year when he was not super effective, the first 10 games to start, you know, people started talking about, you know, well, why did we sign him to this deal? We should go get Jared Allen. We should go get Andre Drummond, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, let him let him settle into his very simple role. And he's playing it really well now. Shocker. Seasons aren't made in 10-game in sample sizes, in 25-game sample sizes. You know, we're starting, you know, in about two to three weeks, we're going to have a, a very decent sample size. And even then we still have another half of the season. So it's like, that's, you know, that's for everybody. Right. But so Yak, we, like, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not a threat in terms of making his own shot in terms of, you know, uh, you know, getting buckets in the post or stretching the floor like that. Um, but you don't have to create your own shot to be a threat. Sometimes yeah. you just need to be seven foot one and near the basket. Uh, and maybe dunk once or twice, you know? Yeah, and he's, he's getting some hurdle jams in there. I, I've, I've seen enough to know that they exist. I still <laughs> would like him to finish a little stronger. There are still times when he'll go up soft and, uh, you know, cost the team a couple points because of it. But, uh, you know, you, you don't need to be a, a good shot creator to be a good finisher. You know, Danny Green couldn't dribble, can't dribble, were the velvet painting of a whale on a manatee. But dude's still a threat if he's standing in the right spot and a good pass hits him, if he does his job right, you know? Yeah. So when you, when you put guys in the right spots, um, you, you see returns, and we're seeing that with Jakob Pertl. Um, and I, I – don't know if it's time to get into the mailbag yet, but I know that we have questions about his long-term role in LaMarcus mm -hmm. Aldridge's. Yeah, I was about to say just, a few things to talk well, about Pearl there. Yeah, go on, Evan. I just, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, um, I'm, I'm a couple of games away from throwing this out on Twitter because it's still only 55 possessions, but this was a starting lineup I think a lot of fans wanted. You have Murray, White, Keldon, DeRozan, Pirtle, 55 possessions. That is a plus 21.8 differential. They're 105.5 points per possession per 100 possessions, offensively speaking. So that's certainly below average for the league, but also below average for the Spurs. Um, 
The Spurs average is around 112. But defensively, that unit is 83.6 points per possession per 100 possessions, which, you know, is right is literally like right there with the, the, the lineup of de- uh, death there with Murray, uh, Mills, Vassell, Gay, and Pirtle, which is at 80 points per possession, per 100 possessions. So um, early signs are proving to be exactly what we all thought. Tremendous, tremendous defense, still figuring it out offensively. But if White can just start to deliver offensively, the, you know, that offensive number should get around that 111 number. And Wow. Yeah, and we get to see a variant of that tonight. You know, you're going to see White out, Walker in. What difference does that make? You know, defensively, I'm assuming it's going to be a little worse. Maybe Walker brings a little more offense. He's clearly not going to go one for 11. So, you know, it'd be nice to see uh, if he can add a little more uh, range, shooting range on the lineup there. Um, anything else you guys are looking forward to seeing tonight? Any, any adjustments the Spurs make or from the Warriors' side, things they might try to do differently? So I'm interested to see how Lonnie plays – I'm not going to place too much stock in it if he doesn't look great because he's been, he's missed the past couple of games, uh, you know, with a a stomach issue and pop said he hasn't been able to keep much food down. Uh, I probably shouldn't tell you, tell you this boss, but you know, for all my listeners out there, I I can't keep this uh, nugget of wisdom to myself. My mom taught me long ago that if you wanted to get out of anything, without uh you know any que- any further questions just say your stomach's messed up yep you know, uh, and you, keep you can even for, for next time tom but yeah right you can even overshare a little bit if you really want no question. The oversharing is the key in that all right <laughs> right the overshare immediately stops follow-up questions you stop follow-up questions you have one you have yeah one sorry boss uh just really uncomfortable bowel movement today oh, okay all right yeah <laughs> You should have seen what happened to me in the morning. Okay, that's My enough. Goodness. All right, all right. <laughs> well, but, any final thoughts on this matchup in, before we move on? In, to any, in any case, that's not what I think is happening with Lonnie. I think his stomach issue is the one that keeps you in bed and in serious pain. So uh, if he's not having a good game tonight, I'm not going to be uh, one of the people who's selling. I know a lot of people are out there rooting against this kid, which – really rubs me the wrong way because uh you know he's a hard-working young man and really good athlete who has uh he's a 22 year old who has uh come from poverty and abuse to be an nba player uh live a lifelong dream uh and oh by the way he's got a ton of talent and a lot of potential um i know a lot of people are saying that his year that so far has been disappointing as we've talked about on the show before fifth option in that starting unit right he's he's not he's not in a position where he can show everything that he's got um and i'm not expecting that from him tonight especially if he's starting uh i am looking forward to when he's healthy and white is back um i'm looking forward to seeing lonnie walker come off the bench because i think that's going to happen because you need Derek white's higher defensive ability you just need it he's also just further along in his development as a player you know he's four years um, older yeah right yeah like it's that's just what makes sense that's probably what the plan was coming into this year before the uh injury to Derek. um and so 
I'm I'm sure there are going to be the same people who don't like Lonnie for whatever reason who uh, will jump on a bad game tonight or will uh, you know see him move to the bench and say ha ha he's been demoted and that'll last about a week until he starts gelling with that bench unit that has been crushing folks so um, you know and he and he can dribble more and have a little bit more of a green light as as the six man mm-hmm. so. I'm excited for that moving forward. I think that's the path that makes the most sense. Um, but curious to hear what you guys think. Yeah, no, I think just coming back, um, come back tonight. A, I want to see the effort. Uh, I, I do not believe, I do not believe that that game against Memphis, the first loss, the Spurs played bad, badly in a back-to-back. Memphis played out of their minds in that game. The second game against Memphis was a trash can. But that back-to-back, I thought they brought great effort. They were not locked in defensively. Their offense was certainly there. Their defense was not. So um, I want to see them lock in defensively. They have have been crushing it um, these past four games or so. And, you know, I want to see how that looks without White on the court. You know, with White gone, how is the defense going to look differently? Like, is Lonnie going to be inserted in there and all of a sudden the, the defense is going to look as ga- bad? I mean, you know, that's going to, that's going to explain a little bit of, of how far maybe White is ahead of Lonnie in certain things defensively speaking, you know. Um, but beyond that, uh, I'm just really excited to watch Steph Curry again. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. The dude is like in his last, I think, close, he's close to in his last 100 three-point attempts, 50% from three. The guy is on a tear. He's on a tear, and he's hitting shots that you can't do a damn thing about it. So I don't, he's, he's fun to watch. I don't care if his team is trash. Like, I will watch Steph Curry. I, I will watch Steph Curry do anything with a basketball. He's a magician. He is, he, he is one of the most fun players that I have, like, ever seen in any sport. Um, and – watching the Spurs young guys defend him has been equally fun for me because like, you know, if not more so, because it's like, this is a a learning and growing experience for them. And sometimes they're beating him. Um, So that I think is going to be interesting. And then uh, I'm also, also interested to see how the shorthanded warriors who were a little bit more shorthanded than the Spurs last night, uh, and played their starters heavy minutes. Uh, I'm interested to see if the the legs catch up with them. Yeah, Steph and played. Wiggins played 38 minutes last night. Steph had 36 minutes. I mean, Murray had 36 minutes too, but Murray's also 22 years old yeah. and uh, it, it can can run around the court like crazy. And uh, I, I I think fatigue's going to end up being a factor in here. But like you said, you know, watching Steph Curry back to back, it's it's getting it's like watching Back to the Future one night and then the next night watching Back to the Future two. Uh, it's just <laughs> you you signed yourself up for for a very fun time. One of one of my one of my main questions with this game, though, we all know Kelly Oubre is going to be hot, but can they stop him from scoring? I mean, he's back out there, Tom. So you know, Tom couldn't even get through that without laughing before he finished the sentence. I don't even know what you're talking about. All right, let's continue. All right, all right, we're gonna get to the mailbag here. Uh, let's just take a quick break. And we're back after a, a brief respite. There, Evan. Where'd your hair go? Whoa, that is one hell of a swoosh. 
<laughs> you know, Evan got a haircut. I got a Whataburger. Uh, Tom, I think, just stayed in place. I think yeah, Tom no, I didn't actually, move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we got a few mailbag questions. We're going to treat this uh, rapid fire round. You know, we're not going to delve into, you know, 40 minutes on the stock value of a certain uh, third string center or anything like that. Uh, hey, if you want that, <laughs> listen to last week. <laughs> it's been proven to be done, but uh, this week we're going to treat this a uh, little bit quicker pace on the questions here. I've got the shot clock ready to go. Um, starting with the first one, uh, this question here, we got from about two dozen people, two dozen different ways. Um, what happens to LaMarcus Aldridge from this point on? Uh, given the season he's had and uh, given the health concerns that have arisen throughout the season, when do we expect him back? What role does he take? And what do the Spurs do with him in the future? Tom, you want to start? Uh, Dottie's barking right now, so I'll toss off to Not Evan. a good sign Evan, for LaMarcus. For Not a good sign. All right, Evan, you go. Okay. Um, your quick thoughts. It's going, to be, it's going to be complicated, all right? The fact is fans are not going to be happy that when LaMarcus Aldridge comes back, he's going to be inserted into the same sort of role that he had beforehand for good or for bad reasons. That is just the way that pop functions. I have a tough time believing that LaMarcus is going to get thrown to the wolves and into a, a backup rotation. The one thing I see, which we already have seen uh, even before injury, is him getting weaned off of important minutes at the end of games. Um, but here's the thing with LaMarcus Aldridge, whether you start him, whether you put him in a second unit, no matter what, your defense is going to be bad in either unit. Of course, you put him in the second unit, he's going up against lesser players, we'll say. But even if we have Drew Eubank in the second unit right now against Jaka Pirtle, the unit has not been as effective as it was with Pirtle. The truth is this team has a personnel issue. They don't have enough bigs, and you're going to have to play Aldridge through all of his warts. Pop and company can try to minimize what he has to do on the court, what his role might be, but I assume he's going to start and that's just going to have to be the way it is. Um, and, and I said, it, ideally, I think he starts and you wean him off of important minutes at the end of the game. You don't see a, a trade inbound this season with him? It's very tough to think about what the trade would even look like. Sure, you can go to the Celtics with their trade exception. Are they willing to really use their trade exception on LaMarcus Aldridge? Are you really willing to give up a LaMarcus Aldridge for a second round pick to crush your depth? I mean, the fact of the matter is, I just don't see a good trade scenario for Aldridge. If a team wants to give up some sort of first round pick for him, you obviously do it. But tell me a team that's gonna do that. I just, I don't have that yet. If there's an injury out there to another player and a team is tight on bigs, we can revisit that trade structure. But for right now, I just think that the Spurs have always been an organization that will never give you uh, 10 cents on the dollar and anything. It's, you know, you want to give us the first rounder? We'll trade you LaMarcus. You want to give us anything else? We'll keep him. We don't care. We spent a whole career making no trades at the deadline. We'll continue to do that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what trades out there. And I just think it's, it's going to be something that you're going to have to deal with through the season as he's on expiring. And I don't know if there's a, a great solution out there. Tom, do yeah, you I mean, for him out there at all? I, I think it'll be tough. I think that, I mean, the Celtics make a little bit of sense as a landing spot, but um, 
I'm pretty sure uh, my Celtics fans' friends are not super interested at this point, um, you know. Uh, and, you know, think about the road to the, to the title in the East. Is LaMarcus Aldridge going to help you against uh, Philadelphia? Not really. Is he going to help you stop Giannis and the Bucks? No, not really. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough. But, you know, if there is a team that is looking for a stretch big to really come off the bench will probably be his role moving forward, um, I think, on, on most teams. Um, you know, he at this at this point in his career, I'm, I'm still not ready to call it over yet in terms of his legs, but it would it would shock me if we saw him return to form anywhere close to where he was as a rim protector for the Spurs team in years past. Um, those days are behind him. He's pushing 36. Um, I just am not like he's not Pau Gasol yet in the Spurs uniform, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree that I haven't given up on him yet. I think he still has a lot of offensive viability. Uh, the defense is just isn't there. You know, he's got that one jump. He is, he's willing to take that jump 20 feet away from the shooter. Uh, and, and that's about it. Um, I, I just, yeah, there's, there's not a team out there I could see trading for him. Uh, yeah. So I just want to throw, throw out this thought. Um, what would the trade be if the Cavaliers kind of fall by the wayside and you could say, hey, uh, we'll give you LaMarcus and something for Andre Drummond? Mm. I've seen you know? fans talk about this. I'm not personally uh, super jazzed on Drummond. Um, you know, I, I would rather just, like, if the question is giving up something and LaMarcus to get Drummond and then create, you know, the the thing with him and Pirtle at center versus just keep the core intact and let LaMarcus walk. I'm fine with the second one. Would you trade two seconds and LaMarcus for Drummond? I mean, if it's second round picks, yeah, but I don't, I don't think they'd do that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine as long as we're not losing young core or a first-round pick bringing Drummond yeah. in. Um, no, I, but yeah. there would be no trade where you'd give up a, a, a player nor a first-round pick. Yeah. But let's say the Cavaliers get to the trade deadline. Nobody wants Andre Drummond. Wouldn't you take LaMarcus in two seconds? Versus Drummond, I mean, you're getting something in return. Yeah, you're getting you know? a body. Even, even, if you're getting to, even if it's too dark, I mean, it's, it's, what are you doing with Drummond after the season? I mean, and what are you doing with Drummond at the end of this season? It's not like you're going anywhere. And again, this is on the assumption that the Cavaliers fall by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, the, the Spurs' biggest weakness is the front court depth, right? You know, with Aldridge out right now, it's Pirtle and then it's Eubanks. So we can get to what Eubanks has done of recent. I don't know if it's sustainable. We've got a question about that. Um, but you're going to want someone else who, who can play that front, that center position. Um, and and if, if you're losing Aldridge and if um, you're trading him for picks that really – handicaps you so so getting someone in there to, to to fill in a body you know if it's drummond that's great drummond uh 
brings in a lot of rebounds. Aldridge doesn't really rebound right now, so you can at least can fill that hole. Um, but but I, I prefer the team with, with Yak out there in the crunch time, and I don't want Drummond to kind of interfere with that in, in that sense. So I, I want to move on uh, to the next question that kind of relates to this. At Just Dancer 73 uh, wants to know what the move is. Is there a move out there for the Spurs? You know, the, the, the young core is kind of gelling right now. Uh, the, this is a probably the best stretch of basketball we've seen from them six and two in their last eight games. Um, is there a move the Spurs can do to improve or do they stand pat? I, I think like Evan said, you know, these, these guys aren't known for uh, making deadline deals. I think uh, Patty is pretty much off the table. You know, we came into the season talking about um, this, this Spurs team has the young core that, for most fans is pretty untouchable. And I, I would have to guess for the organization is pretty untouchable. And then you got four veterans on expiring deals. Patty Mills probably will retire a spur, should retire a spur. Um, DeMar DeRozan playing some of the best basketball of his career. I don't think they're going to let him go. I think they'll probably try to re-sign him and they probably should. Um, and then you've got Aldridge and Rudy Gay. Um, I think Gay's defense has been better than Aldridge's this year. I think he's gotten tough buckets. Uh, and he's also spaced the floor pretty well. Um, but, again, this is a, a guy who's getting toward the end of his career, and you wonder if the Spurs are going to want to keep him around or let those minutes go to Luka Shamanich maybe next year, who will be a year further in his development. So, um, you know, Rudy has been a great vet for these young guys, has been a decent contributor, somewhat inconsistent, somewhat inefficient sometimes. Um, but I, I really don't see the Spurs moving on from anyone in their young core. I saw somebody talking about, well, you know, with Lonnie and Derek and DeJounte and Devin, I mean, like, somebody's got to go. Like, not really. You can just play a 10-man rotation. Uh, yeah, you know, the, my my number one complaint about Spurs Twitter sometimes is these either-or arguments versus just understanding that you can have both. It doesn't have to, like, it, what is, like, what if you signed DeMar? And, like, does that mean we can't keep any of the young guys? Like, no, you can, you can keep them all. Because here's the thing, like, oh, Lonnie needs an extension. Like, I got to deal with half of Spurs Twitter hating on Lonnie. And to be honest, the way that Lonnie has performed, you know, I understand that um, the Spurs have paid DeJounte Murray. They paid a little bit more for Derek White, but they have also shown more in their time and development and growth. That's not to say I'm giving up on Lonnie. That's not to say that he doesn't have potential, all this stuff. But by the time that he's up for an extension, do not expect him to get what DeJounte Murray got. He's going to get like maybe half of that, you know? I mean, he's going to be a very cheap extension. Um, when it comes down to it. So he's not going to take that much out of the cap. And again, you have to remember, oh, you want to sign DeMar DeRozan? Okay, if he signs a two plus one deal, by the time he's done with his contract, now you're getting into more of the money that you owe DeJounte and Derek because those deals are back-ended. So you have to just sort of remember that the way the cap works and the fact that the Spurs have tons of cap to work with, they don't have to sacrifice any of their young pieces. And like Devin Vassell, is literally three years away before you have to worry about extending him. Kelvin Johnson is uh, another, also two to three years away before you have to, or two years away 
before you actually really extend him or worry about that. So you have time. Um, there's no reason to rush an extension. The whole point of getting draft picks is that you get them under a team-friendly deal, and then they get theirs. And that's the way that this all functions and, and works, unless you're a, you know, a top you know, five pick and you're making tons of money. And that's part of it as well. But, um, yeah, as far as deals go, I don't see that the Spurs are going to be making any deals. Honestly, other teams would love to tap into what the Spurs have. They would love to get Rudy Gay's expiring. They would love not, – not that they would spend a lot for Rudy Gay, but they would love to send you something for him. They would love to get Patty Mills on his expiring. I think they can actually get uh, – they can get something for Patty Mills because I think that Patty Mills on a team like the Lakers or the Clippers could be a, a, a nice complimentary piece to put them over the edge as far as a three-point shooter goes, even though he has his defensive woes and you'd be able to pick on him a little bit uh, just because of his size. But um, as, as Tom mentioned, I, I don't see the Spurs ever getting rid of Patty Mills. I think he will also be back next year. And they're just a team in transition. What are you, you going to trade for, you know? Yeah. Unless you're going to get a player who is going to is, – is under contract for a few years and you can build that into the book versus attacking free agency. You know, the Spurs aren't winning a championship this year. You, your hope is that they, they get into the playoffs. These guys get to experience more reps there in the playoffs as well. And um, you push it as far as you can go. Uh, you know, they're not going to beat the Lakers or the Clippers in a seven-game series. They're not. They can push them for maybe a couple games, maybe win a couple of them. But um, I don't think you blow up what you're building to try and make a, a monster run here. I, I think the pieces are in place to go to the playoffs. And um, if you can make a small move here or there, sure. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, especially staying under the luxury tax. Evan, you've predicted the next question there. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to say, yeah, I, I think this team is best when they run nine deep. You know, when they've got nine players who can play 15 minutes or more, uh, that's a benefit for the Spurs. You're, I mean, the, the, we've talked about a lot on this podcast how the depth is the, the secret to the Spurs' success. You know, ha having the second lineup of depth that rolls over the other team's bench when the Spurs are at full health is a big benefit to the Spurs team. Um, yeah. that and that works in the regular season. It doesn't work in the playoffs. Yeah. But, uh, so whatever. I, if this team does stay pat, and this question comes from Keith at AF blue 82, what's the upside, you know, what's the ceiling for this team? Uh, Evan, you're saying playoffs, but maybe out in the second round. Uh, I think, I think the absolute ceiling, like if they won a playoff series, like throw a parade. Like I think that that is, um, I think that is a tremendous uh, – that is extracting all the juice out of the orange of this season. Um, I think if they don't make the playoffs, and I'm talking about they don't even make the playing game, uh, that's a problem. Uh, I, I think that that would be a huge disappointment. I, I think they really – you know, if they can, if they can get um, a top six seed and avoid the play-in scenario, um, you've also created a scenario where you really done a hell of a job. Yeah, I, I think that that playing, if, if they can stay in that top six seed, and I said it before the season, I, I think through the first 24 games, I've seen enough to double down on it. This team is way closer to being top six in the West than they are to being in the lottery. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen them beat the best teams in the league this year, right? We've, we've seen them take down the Lakers, the Clippers, the Celtics, the Nuggets. They, they can play well against upper-level competition. So um, a, a first-round win 
uh, wouldn't shock me, especially if they can get like the the sixth or fifth or fourth seed and avoid the Lakers or Clippers in the first round. Um, you know, I, I think they could they could make a dark horse run, probably not to the finals, but uh, like if if they wound up winning two series, it wouldn't shock me, um, just because they have. DeMar DeRozan playing his best basketball at an all-star level. Um, DeJounte Murray close behind him at this point. Um, Their defense is better. Their teamwork, their development is all pointing in a direction that, you know, this team's going the right way. So, um, you know, I I think if they, if they keep doing what they're doing, obviously it depends. Uh, I, I think, Honestly, they'll go as far as DeMar DeRozan and, and DeJounte can take them, but it'll also limit how far they can take them if uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is playing heavy minutes defensively. So, Yeah, I think this team is going to remain competitive throughout the rest of the season. There's no reason for them to try to call it in and pack it in and say, oh, yeah, if we, we find ourselves as an eighth seed or on the, the verge of missing the playoffs, maybe we lose a few games to improve our draft position. Uh, the most important thing for these young guys right now is playoff experience. I mean, we saw it with Derek White in the Nuggets series two years ago. Think about how the player he became from that series on and, and who he was in the bubble, which was kind of a playoffs. Uh, this whole team in the bubble, that was a, a small – microcosm that was similar to the playoffs, right? You're playing bang, bang games. You guys are in the same spot. It was that same atmosphere, that attitude you're playing to continue your season. Right. Uh, and that did wonders for the Spurs. Um, I, I, I like them. I, I think there's a chance they win a playoff series. I, I think they're going to really have to commit to not playing Aldridge down the stretch in tight, crucial minutes uh, to, to do that. And, and I think this team is, is kind of on the verge of doing that as we were just talking about. Um, I, I, I think this, I mean, yeah, the, the ceiling is, is a playoff uh, series win. And, and Evan, you're right. If, if we can do that, let's, let's uh, go honking down Commerce Street, you know. Um, I, so one of the things that we've seen with Aldridge out is, is the rise of kind of like seeing Jakob Pertl really thrive, right? He, he's, he's, he's coming to his own. He, he's been a great player defensively all season. He, he's been what the Spurs have, have needed from him. But in that starting unit, these last six or eight games, you know, it, it's, been a, it's been a kind of step up. And we've seen Drew Eubanks kind of show moments, you know, in that Rockets game. Uh, the Rockets announcers don't know who he is, but, you know, he, he definitely made himself known on the court in that game. Uh, asked, at Josh Churning wants to know, is that sustainable? I don't know how much longer Aldridge is out, but while he's out, are both of those guys going to continue to, to, to be serviceable? I, I think Jakob Pertl projects moving forward in his three-year deal as the starting center of this team sooner than later. Uh, so I think that for him, absolutely, yes. Um, you know, I, I think he can continue to uh, set screens at a high level. I saw something recently about how uh, high he is on the leaderboard for screen assists this year, despite not playing very many minutes. Um, you know, his job is simple, right? Obviously on offense, he's bringing less than Aldridge, but he's screening hard. He's getting to his spot, you know, at, at the dunker spot and uh, opening things up for guys. But the defense is the reason that he's in there. Um, and because the team in front of him trusts him a little bit, they can play more aggressively. They can they can gamble a little bit knowing that if they get burnt, Jakob Pertl's back there. Um 
and that's different than the kind of scared defense you play when it's LaMarcus Aldridge. So um, I, I think that Yak's play is sustainable. And then as far as Drew goes, I mean, his entire game is, is energy and activity. Um, and I think you're always going to get that from him. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I hope he stops shooting these uh, mid-range jumpers. I mean, we're, we're getting a lot of Drew Eubanks jumpers in the guts of important games. Uh, and it's a lot. But, uh, you know, I, I also like that he's not afraid of anything and the game's slowing down for him a little bit. And he, and he is expanding his range a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I think that they're, they're both solid. I think they can uh, sustain this. I don't think they can like, like I think Jakob Pertl is playing pretty close to his ceiling right now. You know, like he can, he can get a little better. He can get a little better at a lot of different little things, but at best he'll be a perfect version of this, you know, like I'm not seeing, I'm not, I'm not banking on too much more growth from him as a player, but in terms of sustaining it, yeah, rock solid. Yeah. By the way, we won't get this. We will not get this. I repeat it. But Jakob Pertl, if he plays significantly more minutes, I mean, he's logging like 30 minutes these days with Lamarcus out. So he's getting up there. Um, Raptor on 538.com, uh, the ratings are just sort of like plus minus who's, who's having like the best sort of season, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he, he's not eligible um, as far as the aggregate of players. Right now, the best defensive player in the NBA is Clint Capella. He's a plus 7.2 defensive Raptor. Jakob Pertl is a plus 8.6. <laughs> He's not eligible. He's a full point and a half almost better than the best NBA player. And he's about two and a half minutes away from, from getting himself into that, that rating. I cannot begin to explain of how amazing Jakob Pertl is defensively. Um, we can go on and on and, and talk about the offensive woes that sort of happen and how things sort of change. You're really going night and day between having LaMarcus on the court versus Jakob. It's just two totally different things. Um, it's two totally different things uh, as far as playmaking goes offensively and spacing the floor. You know, Keldon Johnson hasn't been playing great right now. Why? The, the spacing has been a little bit different. He hasn't been able to sneak his way in there. See, DeMar can sneak into little crevices and at least facilitate. He doesn't need the score to make his impact. Keldon is more of a scorer first, and he's got to learn how to facilitate, which is why it's been way more difficult for him to get easy buckets. It's why you're seeing more three-point attempts recently. Um, so that's part of the Yaka Pirtle effect. Um, and that's why when LaMarcus is out there, he can maybe wiggle a little bit more. But defensively speaking, um, you got to remember that, that players can get up on their man a little bit more. They can be more aggressive because they know they've got Yach there to protect the rim. They, they can do a lot more things, and um, that is sustainable. Uh, Jakob is a, is, is a young dude. He's reaching his prime. I think you're getting the best of Jakob Pertl, and I agree with Tom. I don't know how much more his healing we're going to get, but um, you're, whatever he's giving us right now, hell yeah. Uh, Drew Eubanks is, again – I tend to say he is just a steady third option. I don't think he is, um, you know, somebody that you want to throw out there every single game. Um, I always, you know, make baseball analogies because I'm a baseball guy, but there's sometimes an injury happens, you throw a utility player out there and he plays for 10 games and you're like, holy crap, this guy's pretty good. 
but then he plays 20 games, 30 games. And you're like, all right. Um, the weaknesses are starting to show over a larger sample size. So um, I love Drew. I think he is in a perfect role. You know, uh, just like I love Yach, and I think he's in a perfect role. They're missing that other big. And when we get to the offseason, we'll talk about how the Spurs have to plug that hole because that is, that is the difference between them, I think, being very good and great. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Crowley asked the question, if, is Jakob Pertl an all-defensive candidate? And I think absolutely. I mean, if he gets just a little more minutes, you know, as his role increases, right. as Aldridge decreases, you're going to see him tally some votes because, yeah, statistically, he's just been a monster this season. And it's open yeah, to it's, do so it much. It depends entirely on his minutes. I mean, if, yeah. if, he, if he plays, he can be in that conversation for sure. Yeah. All right. We've got a minutes-based question next then. All right. This, I'm going to pair these next two. Uh, the first one comes from at Chief Sick Boy. Uh, Patrick is his name. Uh, Lonnie versus Derek. Who starts and who comes off the bench when they're both fully healthy? And DeJounte 10 wants to know when we're going to see Derek White return to the bubble white. That's not the real DeJounte Murray. That's a DeJounte Murray stan account. But uh, yeah. What if it's a very bad burner account? <laughs> like like hit it, hiding in plain sight. That's the 10th burner uh, he's got. Yeah. No, but I, I think as far as Derek returning to form, it's a matter of time. Um, you know, it's it's not even like he does. It doesn't look like he's gassed out there. It's not like he's he doesn't have his legs. It's just missing shots. Like, you know, you need to you need to get that locked in. You know, through through playing NBA games, which he hasn't been doing. So, um, you know, I I'm not super worried about that. I'm not going to put a timetable on it, but I, I think, you know, it'll be in the, it'll be like another handful of games that he struggles, if that, uh, and not, you know, weeks or months. Um, and then as far as who starts, we kind of talked about this earlier. Um, I think if Derek came into this season healthy, he was the day one starter. Uh, I think, that's because he's further along in his development. He's at this point a better defender, uh, a more confident shooter, a more sure ball handler in the pick and roll. Just every area of his, his game is a little crisper. And that's what you expect from a guy who was in college. Uh, like he, he, was, he was 22 or 23 when the Spurs drafted him, Derek White. Lonnie Walker's 22 now. Um, so... I'm ex- like I said before, I'm excited to see Lonnie in a bench role where he can handle the ball a little more and stand in the corner a little less. Um, yeah, I agree. Derek White's your obvious starter. Um, no questions about it. Um, and then, and that's not a knock on Lonnie, right? Like, no, it's not. Like, like Derek White I feel like so many people are like, uh, you know, obviously Derek's so much better. And it's like, okay, sure. But like Derek, Derek White's really good. This you is know, a like, problem to have, know, right? Here, here's the thing yeah. with Derek White, right? If you had to tell me who is the best asset these Spurs have, it's Derek White. Like, ignore numbers, contract, all that stuff. Who is the best asset the Spurs have in a trade? It's Derek White. He, he, he is the best all-around player the Spurs have. DeMar DeRozan is the best scorer, the best offensive threat. He makes a lot of things happen. But best all-around player, Derek White. He's got to start, period, end of story. I don't care who you would have lined up that question with. It's Derek White, you know, outside of the big. Then, um, as far as Derek White returning to form, Tom mentioned it. It's all about making shots, all right? That's literally the only part of his game that has not translated. His defense, phenomenal. His usage number is up. I like that, all right? His assist percentage, by the way, what percentage of his teammates made shots uh, off of his assists? 
23%. That's 94th percentile for a wing, which is sort of what he's playing right now uh, positionally. Um, and But his points per shot attempt is 82.6. So when it, when it comes down to something like that, that is going to progress. So I don't know when, but it's going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. I think we just need to also evaluate who Bubble White was. You know, he shot, he was 21 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, shot 45% from three. I don't think he ever reaches that again because that was just a fireball. I think he could be a 24-5 guy. I don't think he's ever going to shoot 45% from three again. Uh, maybe. Was it 45 or 39? I thought it, I thought it was 39. I, I pulled up the, an article that said 45%. So uh, he, was, he was 45%. I, he was super hot early. I think he dropped off toward the end. Gotcha. All right. I, I think he, he was, was thirty-eight. percent for the season, which is where I think he he should hover around. All right. Well, I I think you know the shots may not be there for him to be a twenty-one point per game shooter every night, but he's going to be one of those guys we talk about. The Spurs have guys who can take over a game. You know, it's going to be a Lonnie game or a Lamarcus game or a Derek game, and, and I think we're only a short time away before we have a Derek White game. Needless to say, he's always going to bring the energy on defense, and you want him and Dejounte next to each other as much as you can because that's just filthy. And throw Yaka Pertle in on the front court defense, and who's scoring on the Spurs, right? Uh, I've got one more question for you guys. Um, who are the potential targets for the Spurs this offseason? Um, is it too early to talk about it? Or do you guys have, have some thoughts to dive in on? Evan, you want um, to- yeah, I mean, I, I, it is a little too early. I think we can go hamski on these well down the road. Uh, but just, you know, John Collins is my number one right now. Throwing the max at John Collins. Atlanta still might take him. And there's nothing you can do about that. He's a restricted free agent. But nonetheless, my first, my first home run hit is giving him the max and if he accepts and the Hawks decline then we'll figure out all the games afterwards but um getting a big is absolutely number one and John Collins is is just my my prize uh my prize possession right now it's going to be tough to get him but that's just uh, the biggest name that's sticking out um beyond that wing um you know need uh, you're going to need a Rudy Gay replacement uh, you're going to need a, a nice six eight, you know, wing to, to help out. Um, so, look, you know, assuming that you want to kind of attack in the draft, um, I think the Spurs should should be begin getting guys who are a little bit older, maybe in, in college, at least at a wing, um, to see if you can insert them into the lineup ASAP versus a pro a project. Um, but again, we'll go through draft discussion later down the road. Um, you know, people have thrown out like. Bagley, and that's a pass for me as far as big. He's just not good enough defensively. I think you're going to really, like, you're just not going to be happy. Like, I'd rather, like, LaMarcus Aldridge, who does a lot more offensively than Bagley does. And um, Harry Giles would be a, a cheap dart. You know, he had a great preseason with the Blazers, and then it's just kind of been like he hasn't gotten an opportunity with them at all this season. And to me, if you're not getting an opportunity with them, then that's a problem. That's telling me that they're seeing something that they're not, I mean, especially with how beaten up they've been. So that just tells me that there's something, something not right um, as far as the, the talent or, or he's not progressing as, as much as we all think. But um, yeah, um, it's like when we get to the off season, we get closer to the end of the season. Um, we'll start discussing who they need to get because I will be all over the big discussion. That's number one. Wing is number two. Yeah. On, on John Collins, uh, he's averaging 
18 and eight this year, basically uh, he is shooting 41% from three this season. Um, and I'm interested in Collins uh, because partially because of uh, the reasons that he reportedly wants out of Atlanta. Uh, he is apparently sick of watching Trey Young dribble all the time hmm. and wants to play in a system with a little more ball movement. Hey, John, check out what the Spurs are doing, man. You'll love it. <laughs> we got a, a fellow Wake Forest alum, another big man that you can talk about Winston-Salem, North Carolina with. Uh, you know, you, you may know him as Tim Duncan. Uh, it'll be great for you. Come on down. But yeah, way too early to be talking about that stuff. Uh, and a lot more to be decided this season. But there is going to be a power forward slash center sized hole in the uh, lineup and rotation next year after this year, if I had to guess. I've got. And let me, and let me say another restricted free agent who's in, who I'm interested in, if he can stay healthy, is Zach Collins. Mm. guy who hasn't really um, had his opportunity because of injuries. It's a risk, but you probably can get him for cheap. I doubt the Blazers would pony up because they're going to have to pay Gary Trent. They, they got some money uh, issues there that they got to pay for. So um, if as a consolation prize, there's another sort of big that I'm interested in, a guy who can space the floor, hit a three, um, and hopefully just stay healthy one of these days. I've got two names for you guys. One of them's a restricted free agent, so uh, we'll have to see, but uh, they're two big, fun favorites. Uh, Taco Fall, let's get him in, fill that center position. Um, it'd be a great, great <laughs> No? Okay, the other guy. He'll take the Rudy Gay spot, you know? Uh, Carmelo Anthony, um, get him in, be the Rudy Gay for us. I, I think it's a great call. Oh, man. I can already, I can already see first Twitter just – Throwing rocks at Carmelo Anthony. I want night. Carmelo Anthony taking shots from Lonnie Walker and from Calvin Johnson. That's what I want. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I like Taco. I would prefer Boban. Yeah. Uh, and I have a soft spot in my heart for Melo. I know you do too, Evan. Uh, there's just nothing like that dude going up for a rebound surrounded by nobody but teammates and cursing yeah. everyone out. <laughs> to let to let the entire stadium know that the board is his. Well, we're going to wrap the mail mailbag there. We'll see if Melo joins the Spurs uh, next season. Uh, the, plenty of time to talk about that in the future, though. Uh, but for now, Evan Klosky, where can the people find you? At Evan Klosky on Twitter. Hit me up. And Tom. At Real Tom Petrini. And I'm at Jackson Ken's Five. This has been the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio podcast from Ken's Five, your official station for the San Antonio Spurs. And we'll see you next time. Follow us at Big Fun Pod.